With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Well, they walked into Madrid with hope in their hearts. And they'll walk away with the greatest prize in club football. Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's King to the Cot are champions of Europe once again. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Copper Fracas, aka Quarantine Redmen Fracas. Um, of course, we're part of the Touchline Fracas Network. Uh, joining me today to talk about all things LFC, I have Ellis. Hello, mate. All right, mate. I'm glad you can hear me this time, which is good. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so always a good thing. And I'm also joined by Anik. How's it going, Dan? I'm not too bad, mate. How about you? Yeah, good, mate. Just, uh, yeah, just trying to get through quarantine, uh, working from home life, really. Uh, mate, tell me about it. Actually, you know what? Good, good way to kick off the pod would be let's all share our suggestions for you know getting through quarantine, working from home, all of that. So, any any tricks of the trade that you both got? I thought, you know, with the sun coming out now, I could probably try and take up a bit of gardening, try and grow my own vegetables, or Something along those lines. I, I like suppose it. it'll get me out a bit. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Are you thinking of growing anything in particular? Or? Um, well, you know, maybe you know, my mum my, my was complaining the other day about having to spend two pounds or more on uh, coriander, so I might need to try and 
get the coriander seeds out, a bit of compost and see if whether I can, uh, you know, save her a bit of money there. So I might start with a bit of herbs and then, uh, you know, see where that takes me. Oh, I like it. That's good. That's good stuff. L, you uh, protecting yourself from uh, 5G radiation? <laughs> Indeed I am. <laughs> uh, wake up early, have a shower first thing, because if you don't, you might not end up showering for the whole day. Yeah. Uh, that's it, really. Um, just, you know, don't try to sit down for too much. Try to get up every hour, stretch your legs, drink a lot of water, lay off the coffees, have a little walk around. Obviously, within the uh, within the guidelines of the government, don't be naughty like some people in uh, South London and that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, mate, they're they're crazy. Man. But apart from that, man, just yeah, try to stay safe and try and stay hydrated. I think that's a big thing. I think the thing for me is trying to keep in your normal routine. Um, you know, I've seen the TikToks and memes and stuff of people kind of like pretending they're still on their, their journey to work by simulating the London Underground, which you know is an experience in itself. But um, <laughs> I've I've been I've been trying to wake up at my normal time, which is about kind of like six in the morning. Um, it's been failing spectacularly on some days, where I've been getting up at about half seven. Um, so it's not it's not been great. But no, I mean, like you said, with the weather getting a bit nicer, I've been uh, been going, been making the most of my kind of. Um, my yard time so going out for a bit of a walk and stuff but uh no it's it's like you said just don't be stagnant drink a lot of water and you know just try and just try and enjoy it more than anything which is you know a bit of a i guess guess a morbid thing to say but you know you gotta make the most out of uh some of the opportunity you've got with the time on your hands so whether it be something you've been putting off for a while project wise whether you want to learn a new language just kind of explore the world that you've got got in the palm of your hand indeed indeed but speaking, uh, but back to the topic, back to the topic at hand. Uh-huh, see, I switched that one round. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Liverpool and obviously the most pressing thing, uh, most urgent thing as well, from a football club point of view, is that Liverpool applied for the government furlough scheme, um, where the government would pay around eighty percent um, of um, staff's wages, and I believe that the club would top up the remaining twenty percent. Um, I believe this was to be rolled out for kind of casual and match day working staff, as uh, the rationale was that there is no revenue coming from the door, which is you know uh, understandable in terms of you know, no, no match day experiences, uh, etc. Uh, and it caused quite the backlash, um, uh, on, you know, on Twitter and in our group chat as well, where I think the consensus was that we we didn't agree with it. Um, I feel like we can all, all agree with that point, but we kind of saw why it was necessary. So, um, L, I'll talk. I'll you know, I'll kind of lead you to start this conversation. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts on uh, this report coming out? Um, initially, I thought I thought it wasn't wasn't the best thing for us to do in terms of the culture of Liverpool. Take away from a business standpoint, it was just in terms of the culture. Of Liverpool, so Liverpool is known as a very left-sided community. When I say left-sided, I mean on the political spectrum. Um, they're very, very post. They're very socialist, sorry, in in their full process, and um, it's all about them and also trying to help the, the community. Um, if in regards to what happens in, in politics, they're always going to vote for uh, for Labour. So, 
I feel that FSG had to understand, and it seemed like it seemed to me like they were starting to understand where it was. Um, whereas they were talking about uh, this means more, talking about Shankly, what would Shankly do? And if you know Shankly, you know he's a staunch socialist mm-hmm. as well. So um, when we saw that you're taking the government money to help your business, it just reeked of capitalism, capitalism and the right side. And uh, obviously, a lot of, like you said, at the top of your, top of your point, a lot of uh, Liverpool fans didn't like that. Um, I know we're going to go further into it, but I think people need to understand that also FSG is also running a business and they need to cover costs where they're not getting anyone through the door. So, for instance, if you have to pay like, uh, you know, let's say a barman inside or one of them, you know, the restaurant, you can't because they're not bringing any money in. So they need to have costs to cover it. So um, obviously the, the negatives outweigh the positives, but there's not, well, I wouldn't say positives, but outweigh the pros, but there's still pros to look at. No, I do completely agree. Um, I think the, the, the relationship that the um, ownership group has kind of built with the fans through, you know, positive actions throughout the years has been, you know, it's, it's been massively well, well, well received and kind of subsidised, I say subsidised, um, kind of took apart any kind of counteractions that people may have had against against FSG, but that seems to all, you know, re-erupted this week, and, you know, fairly so, and again, the optics of it don't look, don't look great. When you're saying that you're, you know, posting record turnover and, you know, you've made a profit of X, 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 Y, Z, um, you know, in the millions of pounds and hundred millions of pounds, it's 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 not good. And you know, when you market yourself as this, you know, family club and we're all in this together, you know, this means more. This is Liverpool. It just it, it just doesn't sit right with people, and you know, and, uh, fairly so. Um, Anik, how how did you feel about all this? And you know, obviously, the club put the statement out yesterday, where you know, after further evaluation, all the standard boilerplate stuff. Decided to kind of reverse on the reverse on that as well, but was it a case of the damage has already been done? I think at that point, yeah, I think the damage had already been done, and I think it was probably a PR own goal, you know, from Liverpool. But at the end of the day, they they reversed the decision, and I think that's you know that's a shining light that we can take from it. Um, I think just additionally to that, though, I think you know some of the players also have contri- have contributed during this time and i think that's sort of been sort of swept under the carpet i think a lot of uh, a lot of people seem to have forgotten about you know what what andy robertson's done you know with the food banks what marnay's done what henderson's looking to do you know setting up a crisis fund along with the other premier league uh, captains as well mm-hmm. um and i think those sort of things have kind of just been you know swept under the rug as a result of this um but yeah, I, I mean, also agree with Ellis as well. I think around this situation specifically, the, the negatives sort of do outweigh the sort of any sort of positives around it. Yeah, I mean, it, it just casts it just casts a shadow, doesn't it? Really, on you know f- future jobs and you're making people feel un- uncertain about you know the foreseeable future. Um, uh, what we'll say again, 
unlike a few of the other clubs who've applied for you know, the government fe- the government furlough scheme and have taken advantage of it, um, yeah, we they've actually topped up salaries for you know kind of financially to make sure that no one's actually missing out. So, like I said, on the top of the pod, I think the furlough only accounts for around eight percent of a person's normal salary, so they are subsidising an extra twenty percent, which you know they don't have to do, but they are doing. And again, that doesn't make it that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it any better, but. Um, it's it's I guess it's a, I guess it's a bit of a start. Um, the the thing that really stood out, stood out to me was that um, I think it was from Simon Hughes's article on the Athletic, which was, which was really good. And uh, and there have there have been a few more pieces <clears throat> come out since then as well, which I actually do need to, to kind of cast my eye on. But I've been a bit busy with some work stuff. Um, it's. It's a saving about every four weeks from in a bracket of around seven hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand pounds, which you know, in any other you know, again, any other normal business, it's a massive amount, massive amount of sums of money. But when you're dealing with the turnover that Liverpool have, and when you think about the probably you know the weekly amount of wages that goes on players and probably director level staff management, etc., that probably kind of crosses in towards the. Uh, Oh, feel free to help me out with this one, but would you would you say that probably hits around the eight to nine million per week mark, something around that? Yeah, something like that. So it's, yeah, it's like I'll calculate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's this thing. It's like it's yeah. information that we we aren't really privy to, but yeah. it's it's it does feel somewhat cutting off your own nose to spite your own face uh, in certain aspects of that and. You know, it's it's a shit position for to football for football and footballers to be in at the moment because, you know, I don't want to get too political, but you, you see, you know, conservative politicians coming out and saying that you know footballers need to play their part and do more and sacrifice. Mm. It's like it's mm. especially when most footballers come from, uh, especially and again, um, it's the, yeah, this is the thing. It's it's a working class got background and you know. Uh, players from overseas, you know, some poss- and sometimes this, you know it's, it falls in the South American players bracket as well. They come from you know, mm-hmm. largely mm-hmm. largely poverty based backgrounds, where you know they don't know where their next meal has been coming from. Um, yeah. I to say that footballers are elitist as well, it, it, it that just did not sit right with me at all. And you know, I yeah. think the Wilf the Wilfred Zaha tweet from the other day when he said that you know I grew up, you know, because obviously he came to this country from the Ivory Coast. Um, mm. I, he said, "I grew up in a three-bedroom house with nine people." Uh, it's like you can't say that footballers are elitists and, and whatnot when they do when they probably do the most out of the wealthy in the country to give back to their communities. When there are millionaires out there who are exploiting the system for God knows how many years, avoiding tax, etc., who are running around blameless. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chris, exactly that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why. The ordinary man or whoever thinks it's okay to point the finger at footballers who have worked worked hard to get to the position they are um, from no backing from anyone. So from let's say from about 15, 16, these boys or these men are playing week in, week out. No one's helping them, no one's taking them to games, they're just doing it. Um, just because now they're able to to get good contracts because of the television money, because of how many people sit down and watch them, they're now getting so much money because of that. So they, let's say that they're top entertainers. They, they, they didn't go to school. They're not sitting in Eton, sitting down, uh, 
uh, and working for these top financial firms. No, these are just young working class men who came from the bottom, had a God-given gift and was able to develop that gift, which allowed people to sit down across the world and enjoy the gift. So how can you now tell them to give back? Nobody gave, a, gave them anything anyway. So it doesn't sit right with me saying that these people are like the top of the top. They're not the top of the top. These people are just the normal, normal kids. A lot of the footballers are from are from uh, council flats. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to all of their stories, it's, it's usually similar. Council flats didn't didn't do well in school. They just really good at football. I mean, once you make it as a footballer, there's only one way you can go. You can have go to the top and just fall down. And these people have. Done, done their bit so um, it, it doesn't really sit well with me when you get people on Twitter calling out footballers to do more what more can they do they've also got bills to pay they've done what they can do as well like Mane's given about 40 odd grand to to um, hospitals in, in Senegal he's built a hospital in Senegal um, Henderson's looking to run around and help people like Annick said with um, Andy Robertson with the food bank. So all of them individually are doing something. I think Wayne Rooney, I read an article that he came out and said that a lot of these footballers do do their part, but they want to do it quietly. And a lot of them also live, which is mad to me, hand to mouth, because the money they come in, their expenses are also high. So at the end of the day, they're humans and they pay ridiculous amount of tax anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people should just either get off their back and just forget about, just, just leave them alone. That's it. Just leave them alone, man. Yeah, I suppose it also, in you know, in addition to that, I think when you know politicians like you know Matt Hancock said that you know they should take a pay cut and you know play their part. I suppose that doesn't help as well with with the whole situation because then all of a sudden the spotlight is placed on you know footballers and everyone seems to think that you know they're earning ridiculous amounts of money and they should you know put that back into you know. The, the NHS and helping did, people did that, at, did, at that, did, that Mah- did that Mahankok statement piss everyone else off because it really pissed me off yeah. it was like the nonchalance of it like they don't do anything like they're not contributing yeah. anything like they're not paying the national insurance not paying any form of tax it's it just really pissed me off sorry Annick I just kind of inter- <laughs> interrupted yeah. your no, point no, it's, it, but, it, it, but when it comes from you know politicians right at the top it all of us immediately just puts a spotlight on footballers and you know oh, they're earning ridiculous sums of money. Let's see if they can help and contribute. But individual players are, you know, as, as we've said. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing yeah. as well. I think. Again, again. No, go, go on now. Go on, no, go on, mate. Yeah. Again, like, they don't have to. I mean, they're getting, they're getting a contract. It's written in a contract. It's what you're going to get every week. It's not, they don't have to come out and help. Because, like, for instance, I've, I saw a tweet from someone saying that, so, like, let's say again, we use Mane as an example. Mane is from from Senegal. What, what's he gonna do helping someone in flipping Sunderland? Like, he has no affinity with them. So, like, you're telling footballers that Mane, oh yeah, can you just help out pitch out with someone in, in, in Sunderland, please? He's thinking, fam, I, I don't know anyone in Sunderland, did it? My money could be best best well spent helping my people in my village. Mm-hmm. Do you understand know what I'm saying? So, like, they shouldn't they shouldn't be forced to help. What about how about like I think uh, when Matt Hancock was giving his um his daily briefing, I think someone asked him a question about Richard Branson, and he didn't answer it. I think was it him or was it Dominic Rab? One of the two, anyway. And he just and he just didn't answer it. So what about Richard Branson? 
he's asking for money from the government to help his airline, but then he's not paying no tax because he's living on the British uh, Virgin Islands. So yeah. sometimes, I mean, you got to lay off these people and look for the go to the real elitists, the real the real people who are earning the real money. I say I don't want to sound like I'm throwing Lewis Hamilton under the bus because you know I, I like him as a person and you know I think he's a fantastic athlete, but. Yeah, he deliberately oh. he deliberately moved out the country to not pay tax. So there we go. Uh, so it's it's very much throwing glass. It's throwing, throwing stones at glass houses kind of thing. But uh, it, that just really pissed me off. But kind of like tying it back into the club for a second, it's the thing that didn't sit well with me. And I think I think it was me, you, Julian, and Fah who had this kind of like more in depth conversation about it. Um, it you put yourself in line with stingy, tight figures. Uh, you know, kind of Daniel Levy, yeah. Mike Ashley, and that's that, that's a group that you don't want to be associated with. You know, what I mean? you know, you know what I mean in terms of the cost cutting measures and you know the, the stinginess of things. It's 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 a, it's damaging to the reputation of the club and the va- and again, like we've discussed, the core values which sit at the heart of it. And it just it it, it, it stank, and it, and it just was not a nice feeling to to see. Yeah, exactly that. I mean. Like I said at the top, if you say that you're, you, you're Liverpool, this means more, you never walk alone, that is, you might, it's, forget all the talking, do what you say you're going to do. I mean, you've got to help these people in this time of need. I think it was really wrong with Liverpool to do that kind of thing. And also, what's what's wrong with just waiting and seeing how it plays out? Like, you see what teams... Because off the back of that, Man City, said, Man City turned around and said, oh, look, we're not doing it, whatever, whatever. So then... Now you look worse than Man City, and Man City, <laughs> Man City are known to cheat. But actually, <laughs> so it's, it's really messy. It's just ridiculous. It's really messy, and I, and I think that I think that hopefully this is a lesson learned because you've got to understand the community that you're representing, regardless this, if you're not from there. This, this is the thing, man. It's like you've given you've given a free PR to basically every other club in the country. First and foremost, exactly. I mean, City, I mean, uh, fair play, because I would have done the exact same thing as someone who works in kind of that PR marketing space. I'd have done the exact same thing in terms of statement-wise. All right, cool, they took the bullet, so let's put, you know, let's, let's make ourselves all shiny and nice. Um, yes. But, it's, it, again, the thing that, you know, really annoyed me is it's, it's going to massively overshadow, um, and we all know the great work that the club does in the local community. Like you said, you know all the stuff with the food banks, all the stuff with helping the less fortunate. And, and, you know, especially at a massively difficult time, that's all going to be overshadowed because you it did something that is perceived um, to be to be greedy at the end of the day, and you know, feed into the capitalism element where it very much is a socialist club. And it just yeah. It, 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 it wasn't nice and it's a clash of morals that you have as an individual and as a football fan because you know for, I mean, again for, football for, for, you know, for all the shit they get at it is a working class sport um, and it just kind of betrays their I, I suppose I suppose one thing you can take away from it though is that you know they have reversed the decision and okay fair enough it might have put Liverpool in a, a negative light but at least you know that they've had the intuition to turn around and say okay yeah look this is a mistake. We reversed our decision. We haven't actually gone ahead and implemented it. We, you know, turned around and you know reversed that. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm just reading. Yeah. I'm just reading something at the moment. What it's saying though. I mean, again, I think. Again, I think we all see it as just 
a football. We, 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 to the average person, it's just a football club at the end of the day. And you see all the money that's been thrown around in football. You see the ridiculous money that's been spent on transfers. And you know, you know, we, we're part of that problem as well because we want to go out and spend you know 120 million on Jaden Sancho because he'll help us propel us to an next an next level. Um, you see all the money that's coming in from TV contracts, you know, from all over the place. You see, you know, that the club are getting a deal with you know coconut water and then then doing marketing with it for you know off the back of a commercial partnership agreement. But then you just don't see the operational costs on the back end. You know, the the, the wage bill per year <laughs> annually is three hundred and ten million. I mean, that's 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 wild. You know, there's payments due on transfers that'll probably come up in the that's next great. few months. Um, you don't know if yeah. you're gonna. You don't know if you're gonna have to repay TV money, or if installments. Yeah. In, or again, if installments from said partners are going to come in and then re, you know, reflummox that cash flow. It's there's so many on. I mean, again, it's it's like this for every single business, uh, you know. And someone from someone who is more than likely going to be furloughed in the next few weeks because my workload is reducing so much, and it's a way for my business to save money uh, in the long term of things. It's just. Yeah, uh, we, had, we had a call about it the other day. Um, but it's not talk for the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, but um, yeah, it's 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 things like that that you kind of don't see, and you can obviously see why it influenced the decision. I suppose when it comes to paying back the TV money, Liverpool would have to pay. I think I saw over a hundred million. Was that right? Yeah, yes. because don't you get a higher proportion? The higher, is it? Is it how many of your games are actually broadcast live? It's some weird formula, isn't it? I think. Yeah, because, I mean, it's something along those lines. But I think if you know, if any club has to pay back that TV money, then you know. Yeah, they're done. I mean, financially stretched. Was it the Burnley one um, that came out earlier in the week that said? You know, if they record a loss of around fifty million, they're basically out of business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, there was an article. That I think I keep banging the drum on this one again. Most of this stuff is available on the Athletic. Um, shameless plug there. Um, Bournemouth as well. If they got relegated, I think they rely on all their kind of payments, etc., to cover their wage bill. Yeah. And it's just yeah. there's there's, yeah, so, I, there's so many moving variables. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of football clubs are living hand to mouth. Um, it's 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 really mad how how fine the football the football uh, finance industry is. Uh, I'm not too sure why it's like that. Why they are paying so much, but because I think because so much money is coming in, so they have to fork a lot of money out. Like, Bournemouth are now buying players, but I don't know how much they bought Jefferson Lerman for. I think it was like thirty million pounds or something, mm-hmm. or something, something crazy. So imagine a team like Bournemouth paying that kind of money to someone, and obviously it's more cash down, so it's all on credit. And so they're now trying to balance the books week in week out, and all of a sudden, if they don't get in. Next couple of months of cash of match receipts, match uh, gate receipts, so yeah, then literally mashed up. So it, it, it is a difficult period for a lot of teams, and um, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't blame certain teams for like furloughing people because like, well, the government's going to give us 
a certain amount of money. We could adjust certain things and, you know, keep a certain amount of money. So you don't blame. But a team like Liverpool shouldn't be doing it just because they, they recorded a £42 million profit. Um, you're recording that kind of money. I'm sure you're able to pay a few hundred staff for the next, what, 12 weeks. Like, so that's that's what it kind of saying. But again, like your point, Chris, I see why they I see why they done it. I mean, all money you can keep in is always mm-hmm. a positive, just because of future endeavors. Because obviously, football's football's based on credit. So a lot of the money that they've been promised hasn't hit yet, and it might not hit. So you're trying to look for money for ways to save money, just because of those future endeavors. It's. I mean, obviously, I think. Mean- you can testify to this a fair, a fair bit, Al, uh, you know, being in that kind of accountancy space. But it's all about kind of having that reasonable amount of operational cash flow um, and yeah, m- money in the bank yeah. to make sure that all your bills and stuff are paid whilst you're going through a two months of this time. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, they, you know let's, let's, cut them, let's, let's cut the club some slack. It's never too late to do the right thing, which is what they have done, I suppose. Um, yeah. But... It's like, it's like we keep coming back to when when you kind of position yourself as you know a Liverpool family and you, you know you you're supposed to be kind of re- reflecting your values on the fan base um, and making everyone feel included. When when you do when you kind of do that to your family, it's going to cause some form of revolt. Yeah, it's gonna it's, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. And you know, it's not like Liverpool is the you know the most nuclear family, if you will. It's a massively dysfunctional one at the best of times. I mean, Jesus Christ, the amount of arguments I see yeah. online about the most stupid things—it's—it's <laughs> it's mad. So obviously, there was going to be some, there was going to be a massive backlash to this, and you know, it's 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 good that the club have done the right thing. Um, and I think the important thing now needs to be that you make you you have to keep keep making sure that the club. Is in a good financial situation. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen just that um, the top level executives, you know, have kept, kept this quiet and they've all taken a twenty five percent pay cut. You know, which is good because you know, let's say in our jobs, if someone comes up to us, comes up to us and says, "Would you mind taking a thirty percent pay cut for the next three months?" You'd more than likely tell them to fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, no yeah. way. Um, and or, you don't, the, or the Liverpool directors. Yeah, so I played Peter Moore, Billy Hogan, um, and again the players. You know the players don't have to do this, but I reckon you know if they went, they wouldn't even pity. You wouldn't even have to pitch it to them. They'd probably go, "I right, call ten percent. Yeah, just take it, just take yeah. it, and make sure that everyone else gets paid." And they, they and they do it because these are the people that help them day to day at Millwood. These are the people they see in the stadium. These are the people when they do PR events. That, you know, are there. And you see how all the things come together, and you know, again, it just reaffirms that Liverpool family aspect, um, and it's not done for shameless. And again, it's not done for shameless PR. We've seen Henderson pro- and Henderson and Milner proactively do that thing that uh, Annex said earlier in terms of setting up the foundation to make sure that you know the money put in by captains of each individual football club is going to the right cause and it's going to the right areas to, to help people in the local communities. Um, you know, uh, you know, massive props to Rashford as well, by the way, because didn't he? He did a massive donation to uh, one of the local Manchester charities, didn't he? Huge, huge props. Just... Yep, huge props. Yeah, Rash, Rashford came out and um, said he's going to try and feed, feed about four hundred thousand kids in and around Manchester. And this don't call me the figures. But, that, that, yeah, but, but this is the thing, man. It's like with the school shutting down and stuff. Um, yeah, 
Love gives them not eating. That's the thing, man. It's a lot. It's that is the only place where most kids get their hot meal from for the day. Literally, literally, literally for the day. So, um, who this to Rashford for doing such a thing? Um, a lot of people don't they don't realize that these these people are young. Rashford is like twenty one. Like, imagine doing that at twenty one. Uh, I, I can tell you for free at twenty one. I'm not thinking about doing such a thing. Oh, bro, the, the, bro. The only thing <laughs> the only thing we were thinking about at twenty one was like cheeks. That's literally it. Mate, you know I mean? that's all I'm thinking about. I tell you, how much cheese can I get? Even in quarantine, like, how much cheese can I get over? <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, no one bring over any cheese at quarantine because we don't want anyone to get rested. Thank you. Vir- but, v- yeah. Virtual cheeks, yes. Physical cheeks, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah virtual cheeks, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that to, for, for such a young man to out of the bottom of his heart just to do something like that, I mean, you have to give a lot of kudos. So that's why when I see a lot of like, nobody's on the internet saying that oh as a footballer you should do this you should not really because when you think about at your age what was you doing you wasn't thinking about that if you had that kind of money you wouldn't think about that even when people get a little bonus in that they're not thinking about it they're thinking about oh, what can I buy with this so again going back to the point of footballers do deserve some slack because even though they do get a lot of money they're also always trying to help and and like um, Troy Dean he said he said something about um, how about some of these footballers they're the sole breadwinner of an entire family. Yeah. So imagine like, imagine us, like ethnic minorities, we have a big family. Imagine we're getting that kind of money. Do you know how many people we would have to help? Bro, you have to feed so many mouths. It's going to be people that you've not it's, heard of for years saying, oh, can I borrow a quick, your, can I borrow yeah. 10 grand real quick? <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, so imagine those People just come into you like, oh yeah, can I borrow ten grand? Oh, I missed them. I missed my payment, my uh, mortgage payments. Yeah. Oh, I got laid off in my work. You're literally the sole provider for all those people, right? and that's what people don't realize. Like, it's not just food. Uh, you're, you're not just, sorry. You're not staying at home in a two bedroom flat with oh yeah, your mum and your two little brothers. Like, literally, you've got your uncle, sisters, brothers, cousins, her, and you, you've never even seen him in your life, and he's asking you for ten grand. A lot of footballers are under pressure, and I think that adding to more, adding more to their pressure doesn't help anything in the, in this kind of situation at all. Um, uh, uh, should, we, should we wrap up on this conversation, um, or is there anything else that we should kind of address? I feel like we're too fair. We've addressed it, addressed it quite well for what is you know. Uh, it is actually you know what it is. It is a sensitive topic in pretty much everything we discussed. Um, Anik, anything further you want to talk about? Or nah, happy to happy to wrap it up there. I think we've uh, yeah, I think we've discussed it enough. No, good stuff. Um, yeah, I just just you know help everyone at the club kind of seize the positive in in the revi- the decision being reversed. Um, I think it's fair to hold it against the club in certain aspects, but as long as jobs are being safeguarded in a financially responsible manner. And people can still, you know, like El said, if, as long as if people can still go about their day-to-day lives normally, uh, make sure the bills are paid because, you know, end of the day, banks are still knocking, your credit card payment's still going out, your car payment's still going out, you're starting to pay rent. Um, as, long as, people, as long as people can keep things under control, then, you know, let's just keep pushing and we'll see, we'll see all this out together. Um, Cool. So let's move on to some fucking. Hell. It's actually not even positive stuff, is it? What we're going to discuss next? <laughs> so, so, so as we're low on 
actual topic based stuff to talk about as a po- I, again next week we probably might ask you for your relationship relationship problems and we'll try and solve that um <laughs> i can imagine some absolute bad ones like <laughs> i'm locked in quarantine with my missus and she hates the way i talk how can i stop how can i change my accent <laughs> <laughs> and as as someone who is as someone who is from the West Midlands and has dated someone who is from London before, I can tell you that's an actual problem that comes up. Um, <laughs> it's pronounced July, not July. Oh fuck me! What more do you want from me? <laughs> so we're going to discuss something um, on a weekly basis now, where we're going to kind of discuss um, Liverpool top fives, top five, top five, top five, um, for a, you know, a range of different a range of different topics. It could be you know, our, our top, uh, our individual top five signings, our top five you know, best Liverpool goals, our top five uh, performances under ex manager. But for this week, we're going to feed into our biggest haters, wet dreams, and talk about our top five worst Liverpool losses that we've experienced um, so we actually kind of discussed this before we jumped on the call to record the pod and we actually realised that there's more losses than we thought because <laughs> there's a dangerous amount of demoralising losses in Liverpool folklore and just in our lifetime or anything so let's kick it off um, Anik I'll let you go first on this one you can <laughs> you can be the undertaker here um Kick us off with your top five so I think, worst Liverpool losses. <laughs> so I think those who know me well, the first one that springs to mind is uh, Chelsea 2014. <sighs> I think that was, for me, you know, one one of the worst losses. Um, at Anfield as well, you know, on the way to, you know, lifting the Premier League that year. And um, yeah, I think the Gerrard slip, that, that's one that... Um, ranks are probably the highest for me it's one of our worst losses especially yeah. in recent history you know how that fit, that loss always feels to me remember in Game of Thrones when they're all putting the knife in John and then you see um, oh, what's his name that that little prick oh, what's his name oh, the, the kid and then he stabs John and he's like why have you done this to me you've completely finished me off here that's how that loss felt it's just oh, it's just tragic just so tragic Yep, it was painful. Actual pain, physical and emotional pain. The the scars of which we still carry to this day, because it's memed every five fucking minutes. So <laughs> So I think I think yeah I think that one definitely ranks in the top five, and I think you know we've discussed that countless times amongst me and my friends and. Those on the wider social media discuss that all the time, and yeah, that that one definitely runs deep for me. Um, yeah, that that's definitely for me, including the top five. Probably the next one. Um, swiftly moving on, um, I think I think the two thousand and seven Champions League final. That's one as well. Okay, I think that's fair because we actually played fairly well. Yeah, we did. That was the one we were supposed to win. Yeah, yeah. And I think we actually played. Yeah, I I think we played better than Milan as well in that game. Um, A couple of contentious decisions, and you know, I I think that was a tough one to take, especially you know, two years after beating the same team, 
in probably one of our greatest matches ever. And then, you know, to go out and lose that in Athens, I think I think that was tough as well. What's, what's your guys' view on that? Yeah. Because um, yeah, we're supposed to win that one. I think we played a bit better. If I remember correctly, the two Inzaghi goals, one was... One was like a deflection, the other one was like a free kick which hit the wall and bounced in his arms. Bounced through. Yeah, that yeah. was the first one, wasn't it? That was the, the Perlo free kick and it bounced off the wall. Yeah, it was really scrappy, man. Um, obviously, we got one at the end before it was going to come back, but didn't. I think that one hurt more because it, the defeats always hurt more when you play well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those two. Yeah, those two were uh, very good. Um, we lost as well, which killed. Um, I think I'll add one to that. Or those bears you can add. But, um, the one that really, I think the Stoke six one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. One. <laughs> I think that one hurt the most because one, it was Stoke. Two was Gerard's last game. Yeah, and it was just like, what's going on? What is actually happening? I don't think it was live on telly, was it? No, no it, wasn't live it was because um, it was one of the it was just obviously final day, wasn't it? It was one of the ones that they didn't didn't day. show. I, I, you know what? I still haven't watched the highlights from that. I just, nah, just no, can't just can't do it. It's one of those ones where I saw I saw Marion Biran for Juve score twice. I was like, yeah, nah. yeah, <laughs> nah. I think. Uh, Crouch scored a weldy in that game as well. There's a couple of weldies in that game. Yeah, fucking Charlie. Um, Adam, Charlie Adams scored as well. Yeah. I think Gerald scored in that game as well. Yeah, Gerald scored the last goal in that game. Good finish, obviously. Worthy of choice, Gerald. But it was just one of them ones. Yeah, but... I, I think they let him score that as well, come to think of it. The way they just, he just kind of got through it. Yeah, I think, I think one of the defenders called a hammy, but there's a thing whereby maybe just, out of sympathy I mean, yeah out of sympathy but yeah I hold me watching it and every minute there's coming back to oh yeah there's another goal at uh, uh, Britannia Stadium oh yeah there's another one I'm thinking what is going on here what's I happening I back could have like, swore was, was, was Gerard playing up front that game I think so what was going on I think it just <laughs> I knew it was, it was, it was, it was it, you know it was bad striker wise but fucking yeah. hell hey it's just literally one of them. It just it, well, that game was just as like symptomatic of of Rogers' reign towards the end of that of his um or the, the, towards the end of Rogers' reign. Like, what is going on? What is actually happening? Why are we why are we losing six one to Stoke? Now, what is happening? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that kind of that one kind of um another defeat. I'll throw one in. Um... 2018 final hurt. Three, yeah, three, three, one. Yeah, that's just yeah, yeah. I think it's more the manner of obviously the first goal, just rolling it out and you just sitting there thinking because everything just turned into slow motion. Like, why? What are you doing? Why have you done this? What, what's going on? Benzema scores, and you're like, what? Did that actually just happen? Was he? Did he actually do that? And you're like, but then like what? 
not four minutes later, Mane scores, and then it's like literally contrasting, you know, emotions. You've gone from the lowest of the low to kind of, all right, cool, we'll get back in it. And, you know, there was that period where we're actually playing fairly well. And then Bale just scores an absolute worldie. Nothing you can do about it. No keeper saved it. And just absolutely, just it's probably one of the best goals I've ever seen as well. And then he goes and does that for the, the, the third one. And it's like the, literally the last nail in the carpet. Okay, cool. I think after that, I was like, I was pretty much done with football until the season started again. Yeah. I didn't even bother watching the preseason games until like Alisson signed. Because I was just like, my, my, my head was kettled. And I was like, oh. yeah, that, 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 that hurt. I, I'm not too sure if it's actually top. I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if it's top five worthy. I, I, I don't know. I think I think that game has a lot of similarities to the 2014 season. I think I mentioned this before. It's like, you know, we weren't really supposed to win it. You know, we had gone on an amazing run in mm. 2014. And, you know, we'd come to the last step. And then we'd had some incredible performances in 2018 in, in the Champions League. And again, we'd come up to the last step. And then, you know, Madrid were always going to be the favourites. But I just think the way in which... That we conceded those, especially the first goal, and that was just yeah, a bit tough to take. And I would never ever forgive Ramos for that. I mean, ever. No, I mean a lot of people <laughs> always go on. It was like, nah, he, you know, he, he, did, yeah. he definitely didn't mean it. He knew like, exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he, he definitely fucking meant it. <laughs> like, but no, okay, yeah, it, to be fair, that's actually the perfect energy, kind of thirteen fourteen for that final. You know. It, yeah. it was it was a nice to be there, but just wasn't meant to be for that moment. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, do you know what? Actually, yeah, that was tough. I think the my, I don't know how I don't know how you boys feel about this one, but I think the twenty sixteen Europa League final hurt more than that one. Of course, one million percent it hurt more. I think it hurt, yeah, it definitely hurt more than the two thousand eighteen. Just because it's the second half performance was. Diabolical. Like, yeah. I don't know what was that, mate. It just felt like our soul has been sucked up. Uh, we've gone into half time winning and we just couldn't hold it up. And that that, that, that that storage goal is probably the one of the incredible it was, it was an unreal finish and it's going probably it's gonna be one of the lost forgotten goals. Yeah. which is unfortunate yeah. because it was unreal. Just that one, that one kind of hurt because we were just dragged everywhere, and you know, the expectation after going in at half time, thought, yeah, we could do it. Um, a lot of people didn't forgive Moreno after that awful second half performance, center backs were awful, center mid was awful, everything was just going to shit, really. Everything just went to shit. It just, yeah, everything just it literally. You talk about collapse. Everything just literally, just literally collapsed. And then it was a weird situation where we were playing. <laughs> it was, it's a front, didn't it end up being a front three of Benteke, Sturridge, and Origi? <laughs> when you look at it, yes, it's absolutely madness. <laughs> but no, madness. But I, I think I think for me that one, it just that hurt because it felt like a. The journey they're taking as a team, that is, as a collective unit. Yeah. They pulled themselves back up from you know where they were at the beginning of the season and got themselves to this point where you can set the tone, you can make everything go well. 
you know, you can get Champions League football for next season. It's Klopp's which, first season as well. Yeah, it's Klopp's first season. Yeah. It's a nice way to set the tone and get all the cogs moving in the right direction. But it, it just wasn't meant to be. And, you know, not having Champions League football for the season after, in hindsight, massive, it was a massive takeaway because it allowed players to integrate into the new positions, learn a system, um, and, learn, and you know, truly kind of evolve as a unit. So... But I suppose that you can you can also argue that that's probably where you know the strength and depth and you know the character of our team came through because I suppose the ultimate aim of that Europa League final was to try and get into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. The players took that on board in the summer and then we turned it around and we went on and we got the Champions League the next year. Same thing happened mm-hmm. in 2018. You know we lost the final, taken that on board, we came again and we won it. Mm. So I think that shows a lot about the character and strength and depth, especially within our team. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just a catalyst to everything that we can see today. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. Um, you know, hold. Obviously, you don't want to hold it with fond memories, but you always think that. Oh yeah, that that defeat helped us move forward again with the 2018 defeat. It helped us move forward. The clock knew where he was at at every point. Yeah, yeah, because we could have quite easily, you know, done a Spurs. You know, they 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 lost in last year's final. You know, look look at where they are now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it takes a lot to pick yourself up and go again. I think we've done that. You know, seventeen, eighteen, and then eighteen, nineteen. We've done that. Yeah, I mean, another another that. Oh, sorry, Clark. No, I was just going to say that um, I think that, that all, all of those results for how, for how bad they felt in the moment, they were a catalyst and a springboard to something better, which, you know, is mm-hmm. kind of how you should look at things you know, in, in everyday life as well. Yeah. And I suppose it's buffering for this year as well. <laughs> pending. <laughs> pending. Trans- <laughs> pending. Pending. Pending transaction. <laughs> pending, mate. I'll say another defeat that really like didn't sit well with me was uh, 2006. We played Man United away from home. It was a, I think we had to win to go top of the league, and uh, we lost two one. Ferdinand scored last minute. Oh god, yeah. Um, <laughs> he said it missed the open goal, and we absolutely hammed United that game. Absolutely beat them up, pillar to post. Yeah, um, yeah. I ended, ended up losing that game last minute. Real further than Heather. And I felt yeah. sick after all. And I think that game, Gary Neville was, you know, kissing the badge, you know, right. Yeah, the when he, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Yeah, That's I remember when I was. <laughs> go on, Alyssa. Go on, sir. Sorry, I'll cut you up. Um, I remember when I went into the school the next day, oh, man, the stick I got, oh, just couldn't, couldn't believe it. Because a lot of my mates were United fans. Obviously, Glory Hunters at the time. And yeah, they were just, <laughs> yeah, they were just giving it to me left, right and centre. I think that the games where you lose to like, the rivals where your friends are, like, yeah. where your friends are, fans are, those ones are hurt the most. Like the Arsenal, losing to Arsenal always hurts me personally. Um, Losing to United also. Yeah, uh, I remember like 
there was a United game in 2014, I think, where we lost 3 0. When Sterling had like oh, three God. or four one on one, and he just couldn't put the yeah. ball in the net. Yeah, that was that was difficult as well. I went to that. That one. Him and him and Balotelli must have missed about five golden opportunities. Yeah. <sighs> yeah just... I've never seen a game where a team will win three 0 and the goalkeeper is the man of the match. Never seen. You will never see anything. Like yeah. Yeah. Some some things like that you'll just never see. It's a good testament how good De Gea was uh, then as well in terms of kind of like he, he'd already be in he, he would be already be in your head as a fan and as a player as well before the game had even kicked off. So yeah, at that time at that time it was if you beat the Gea, you usually tend to win the match. If you don't beat him, then you're going for yeah. it's going to be a long day, and, and we we was. He was testament to that because he was unreal that game. It was like it was the same game he had against Arsenal, the Emirates. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh that game. <laughs> pulling off saves and just pulling off saves, pulling off thinking, what is going on there, mate? That's a witch. Oh, <laughs> old wizard, even. Like, what's going on here, man? It's like, where is your firstborn, and what have you done to him? Kind of like Mate, magic. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> Who did you sacrifice for such powers? He <laughs> was mental, man. I think um, one of the worst losses for me, actually, there's probably two, was um, the first Blackpool game uh, in the yeah. in the Hodgson season. What what that yeah. what that end up as like two nil? Yeah, I think that was two nil. At Anfield, and it's like, oh fuck it, really? You're actually gonna lose yeah, the. You actually lose the black Blackpool. Right, it's like cool. Yeah, are we losing to Blackpool right now? Is this what you're gonna tell me? We're losing to Blackpool. Was that like Blackpool? No, Blackpool. And the thing was like, it wasn't even like Blackpool shit. They're actually pretty good. Like, no, they're, they're literally popping us, mate. <laughs> they actually played us off the park at Anfield. Just. Like, oh yeah, just fuck it. You're back at stuff like that, and it's like these, these, this is the, that was the poverty you once lived, and it's like, oh, like, mate, right? Like, yeah, I'm penalty. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking back at the. St- I pulled up the stats of that Blackpool game. They had two one, two one, 50-50 possession, which absolute mad. They had, yeah. they had ten attempts on target. <laughs> we only had seven, uh, and they had a total of nineteen shots on goal. Absolutely mental, bro. Pam- they, they, ah. they pammed us. They absolutely pammed us. In our in our own backyard as well. Just yeah, yeah. crazy. Just absolutely. I, I think Ellis, what you mentioned, I think it might have been Hodgson's last game. It was the one nil at home to Wolverhampton. Is that where you? We're referring, yeah. yeah. I think that I think that was his last game. I think that was it. You know, you're out now. Yeah, man. I thought we also um, there's one we lost to, to Blackburn. I think that was his, also his like, penultimate games. Yeah, we lost. I think we lost three uh, one to to Blackburn. Yeah, away from home. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we lost two 0 to Everton. There's too many, too many, mate. Yeah. Who scored in that Wolves game now? 
because obviously I got that I got the most. I probably got the most amount of stick from that game ever, ever <coughs> from anything. Uh, I was like, people I'd not heard from in like secondary school. And I'm like, pinging you up, just pinging me. And it's like on Facebook and stuff back when I actually <laughs> used that demon platform. <laughs> what is this? I've not come to be abused. Um, Stephen Ward apparently and stuff. Oh, that's it. Madness. <laughs> but now there's been there's been a, there's been a fair there's been a fair few losses. But uh, now I'm quite quite looking forward to carrying on the old uh, top five feature going into the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, and a few more uplifting notes, we can do our top five pamins of other teams. Um, to be fair, you could even do it. Yeah. You could literally do a top five Arsenal pamins if you wanted to, because there's been a fair few. Yeah. Um, I had to end it on that note, uh, just to kind of like like light the move back up. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, El, Anik, thank you very much for joining me this week. Uh, that has been your weekly episode of Carpine Fracas, proudly part of the Touchline Fracas network. Of course, keep in touch with the wider conversation using the hashtag hashline. Hashtag, didn't Fahim make that error literally last week as well, where he said hashline? <laughs> literally, it's like, I, like oh, I can't believe I made the same mistake. Uh, of course, using the hashtag Carpine Oh god, I've done it again. Using the, I'm in my own head now. Oh god, um, using the hashtag Touchline Fracas. There we go. Got it on the third attempt uh, to be part of the wider conversation. And of course, check out all of your pods available on the podcast apps wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we'll be back next week talking, you know, things that might happen LFC wise or dating advice wise. So let's just see what comes. Um, keep yourself safe and healthy, and we will catch you next week. Cheers. Bounce forward with Comcast Business. Help your business bounce forward today with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Sports Social Podcast Network.